This is Books and Nachos, a podcast for those of us who find excitement in the pages of a good book. Fiction and nonfiction, graphic novels and more, we're here to help you find something great to read. Thank you for joining us here again at Books and Nachos. Today I will be reviewing the last story in our look at all the James Bond works written by Ian Fleming, titled Octopussy. Octopussy was the last James Bond story ever released, first seeing publication in 1966, two years after Fleming's death. In the hardcover release of this book, the Octopussy short story was paired with the short story The Living Daylights, and the title of the volume changed to Octopussy and the Living Daylights in future releases. Over the years, Property of a Lady and 007 in New York were added to this collection. The other three stories had all been previously released, but Octopussy had never seen publication before. It was written in 1962, and in my research, I could not locate a reason for why it just sat in Fleming's files. The story opens with Dexter Smythe talking to an octopus he calls Pussy. No, seriously. The recently widowed Smythe, a retired major from the Royal Marines, has some health issues, but isn't dead quite yet, though he seems to be okay with that possibility, given his smoking and drinking habits. The only thing that stops him from not killing himself is the love of the sea he has, and he visits that sea every day, referring to the fish down there as his people. Today, he is seeking out his, quote, enemy on the reef, the scorpion fish. Fleming gives us copious amounts of background on the looks, behaviors, and defenses of the scorpion fish that, while reading, I could only hope come into play later in the story. Thankfully, they do. Fleming again shows us his flair for research and for sharing said research in this passage. The scorpion fish is poisonous and will attack if provoked, and the major wants to spear one and feed it to the octopus to see if pussy will eat it. Will the octopus eat all of it, part of it? Will it be affected by the poison, or will it recognize the dangers? Smythe's scientist friend will like these answers, and Smythe is willing to find out, since he knows he will not be around the reef much longer, because James Bond is here to collect him, and he is looking at, at the very least, life imprisonment. Bond arrives and questions Smythe about his time working with Miscellaneous Objectives Bureau during the end of World War II. We get a bit of fun character stuff here as we are reading this whole story from the point of view of Smythe, and we get his inner monologue on his behavior and responses to Bond in this section as Bond starts to question him, and how acutely aware Smythe is of his reaction. Bond questions about Smythe's interactions with one Hans Oberhauser, and Bond does something great there. He breaks from questioning and tells Smythe that he should know where this is going, which Smythe does, and gives Smythe the chance to tell him the story that he has already pieced together from the clues, allowing Smythe to save some face and just cut to the chase. It turns out Smythe used intelligence he had access to to find a cache of Nazi gold on a mountaintop, and before the authorities could get to it, he hired a mountaineer, Oberhauser, to accompany him to the mountaintop where the gold was. Once on the top, he killed the guide with his service pistol, covered up the murder and the theft, and he left the service, moved to Jamaica, partnered with some dealers to cash out the gold, and got away with it for all these years. The incident, how he covered it up, all the details are described in great length for the bulk of what makes the Octopussy short story. Eventually, the glacier on the mountain revealed the guide's body, perfectly preserved. The body was identified, the bullets were too, and it was all pieced together all those years later. And it turns out that Bond knew Oberhauser and took on this case to find out the full truth. After hearing the confession, Bond tells the man he will be collected in a week. He doesn't bring him in right there, allowing Smythe the opportunity 
to do himself in. To avoid the inquiries, the trials, the indignities, Smythe returns to the sea to catch the scorpion fish and gets stung by it. And knowing he only has 15 minutes or so to live, he goes to Octopussy to feed the poisonous fish to him and ends up being eaten by the octopus. Octopussy is reminiscent to me of the short story Quantum of Solace in that we get a long story told by another character that isn't Bond and is not about Bond. But I like this framing device more than the one in Quantum of Solace because some things happen in that present day as opposed to all the action happening in the flashback. Through my journey through Fleming's Bond, I have seen that he can tell a great story. He has the ability to create stronger characters and describe action scenes in ways that many authors cannot get a handle on. I also have come to realize that Fleming can just ramble on, fill a story or a novel chock full of detail, but really having no real substance to take away from your experience reading. It's disappointing because you know how good it could be. It just seems like his heart wasn't in some of these stories, and Octopussy, it seems like he took maybe an easy way out. Had he gone through Bond's perspective on this, starting with the mystery of a dead man on a mountaintop that concludes with finding a retired major in Jamaica who had stolen a cash full of gold, sounds like it could have been a darn good story to me. Surely with this story, to watch Bond do that detective work, the story could have been at least twice as long as the story we get here. Again, like in Quantum of Solace, I am not disliking this story. I like that story, and this one is certainly interesting. I am down on this because this isn't a James Bond story. It's just a story Bond is in. Once again, Fleming uses the character of Bond to tell a story that isn't a Bond adventure, and while Fleming certainly knows how to put a story across, I feel this is a bait-and-switch. I come for a Bond story and walk away with something else. He makes little more than a cameo appearance here. The lead character of Smythe is fine, but I am not captivated with him as I was, say, Milton Crest in the Hildebrand rarity. We do get a sense of who this Smythe character is with this story, based on his life's big decision. And we actually get two moments of character for Bond, and they are essentially the same moment, just played twice. By giving Smythe the opportunity to confess, and then later by not arresting Smythe right there and there, Bond is telling Smythe he is a dead man. It's just a matter of how at this point. Does Bond show Smythe some humanity, some sympathy by allowing him to kill himself? Well, that is one way to look at it. Yet, to leave Smythe to do it himself is a cleaner kill than shooting him, or having the courts kill him. For to put this man through a court-martial is messy. The long trial is the country seeing a former decorated soldier be smirched day in and day out, as he publicly faces up to the heinous crimes he committed. That certainly would have been a fair punishment for his crime, but the conclusion would still be the same. And a quick side note, as I mentioned in previous podcasts, in my paperback version of this collection, I am treated to random pointillism drawings throughout the stories, and this one is no different. Here I get a diver, a scorpion fish, and other objects that pertain to the story, but these illustrations do nothing to further, um, <laughs> illustrate the prose. So I am once again curious on why they are included besides making these stories have more pages as they take up a page each. In my summary, you will also notice there is no circus troupe, no jewel smuggling, no alligator submarines, or practically anything else in the feature film named Octopussy that came out in 1983. But if you paid attention during the scene where Bond meets Octopussy for the first time in her palace, you will notice that this story is summarized in the movie as the backstory that Octopussy shares with James. 
with a couple of the details changed, like Chinese gold instead of Nazi gold, and Sri Lanka instead of Jamaica. So while this short story is not the basis for the movie, the story is actually in the movie. The short story Octopussy, again, is not a bad story, but it is really not what I want out of a James Bond story. Written well and telling an interesting tale that I admittedly would probably not have read had it not included Bond, at the end of it, I felt myself still longing for one more James Bond adventure. Three of the four stories in this collection do not have Bond in an action role, or even in a spy situation. I can only imagine the audience when this came out in 1966, who were clamoring for, as my book cover exclaims, the last great adventures of James Bond 007 were left as cold as I was at the conclusion of this last short story, Octopussy. Instead, Bond goes out with a whimper instead of a kiss-kiss bang-bang. This concludes our Ian Fleming book review series here at Books and Nachos. I want to take a quick moment to thank Stuart and Arnie, my co-hosts over at the podcast Now Playing, because if we weren't reviewing all the James Bond movies in anticipation of Skyfall's release, and to celebrate James Bond's 50 years in film, I probably wouldn't have read these Fleming stories. As a James Bond movie fan, it was just an idea in the back of my head as, maybe one day I'll get around to it. And now I had the impetus to do it. And I also want to thank you, the listeners, for taking this journey with us. Knowing you're listening makes me want to read these books even faster so I can get these reviews out to you. So a sincere thank you to you for listening. It has been fun returning here to Books and Nachos, and I hope one day to return to review more books here. But if you want to hear more of my, Brock's, book reviews, I regularly review Star Wars books, fiction and nonfiction, for Vinganza Media's flagship program, Star Wars Action News. All of my Star Wars reviews can be found in the archive section at SWActionNews.com. You can also hear my thoughts on Star Wars books as part of the roundtable discussion on the Star Wars Action News Book Club. And you can find those episodes at SWActionNews.com as well. Once again, thank you for listening. Books and Nachos will return. Thank you for listening to Books and Nachos. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes, and you can catch back episodes at our website, booksandnachos.com. The music for Books and Nachos is The Right Prescription by Chai Weapon, which can be downloaded at potsafeaudio.com. Books and Nachos is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2012, all rights reserved.